Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Ryan here with my co-host, Matt Shafty. Hello. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Quick Question Podcast. We are excited to be back with you again. This is our last remote show until we're back at Xavier for the second semester. Um, Matt, you're up in Michigan. I'm down in Kentucky. How has your winter break been? It's been a couple weeks since we've seen I you. haven't been in Michigan. I haven't been beach bum. I haven't been in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a cruise. It was, it was a great time. We went to the Mediterranean. We nice. were kind of in the like western part. Or Mediterranean. Jeez. Jesus. Oh, my gosh. You were not Caribbean. in the Mediterranean. There we go. I wish. That'd be pretty cool, though. I We were in the western part of the Caribbean, and we were just sailing up different islands and stuff. A lot of fun. What was your favorite island? <sighs> Can't hit me. I don't know. <laughs> Can't hit me on the spot like that. Um, I don't really know. Hmm. Okay, you don't have to answer that, but <laughs> that's. I'm glad you I enjoyed your They're Christmas great. in paradise. Um, forgot to show you this. I got this for Christmas. Little mm-hmm. on-air sign. Uh, We're live. So nice little addition to our desk once we get back to Xavier. Mm-hmm. But um, thank you guys for joining us this week. Um, a, a little bit of a different show. So normally, if you've been with us or watched us um, for the first 15 episodes, normally we'll hit a few topics, whether it's in the NFL, the NBA, MLB, college basketball, college football. And then towards the end of the show, we have a segment called How Deep Is Your Love, where Matt and I talk about our favorite teams. So Matt will talk about Detroit area sports teams all talk about Cincinnati sports teams and Xavier basketball. Um, but with some of the circumstances and some of the things, events that have happened in the last couple of days, we're going to split that portion up this week. So I'm going to do my part towards the beginning of the show and Matt's going to do his towards the end, just because I think the gravity of some of the stuff that happened is very important to talk about. And it would be insensitive of us, not that we're, a super popular podcast, but we at least want to have some ethics here as we do this. Um, so as many of you know, um, we're taping this on Wednesday, January 4th. So two nights ago on Monday Night Football, unfortunately, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the football field after tackling T. Higgins on a passing route. Um, DeMar was administered CPR and two AED shocks. He was rushed to the hospital. He was still in the ICU at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center in critical condition. Um, Good news as of recent, though, overnight that he is slowly progressing and getting better. Um, He was on a ventilator at 100% oxygen. Now he's down to 50%. Um, The doctors are concerned with some lung damage, but at this point he's still sedated, still in critical condition, but at least some of the vital signs and tests that they have run and gotten results back from look a little bit more promising than maybe they were yesterday. And it doesn't matter if you're a Bengals fan, a Bills fan, or a football fan. I think this is a very um, poignant time in American sports, especially with football, because violence is a part of the game. The physicality of the sport is something that us as Americans, we really enjoy. Um, It's what makes football football. And I think every player signing up to play in the National Football League or football at any point knows that injuries are a part of it. We've seen it. We've kind of grown numb to it. But to see a situation where life or death was literally on the line was a little bit jarring for everybody. Um, And I can't imagine how DeMar's family feels, how his close friends feel. If you're the Buffalo Bills, I don't, mentally speaking, I don't know how you recover from this in a short time period. Um, but all in all, it was just an unfortunate situation that happened on one of the biggest games of the year, at least televised wise. Um, and at least from the reports, I'll be honest, I did not know who DeMar Hamlin was before the situation happened. So I can't speak on what a wonderful person he is. I've never had any sort of interaction with him, but at least from what we've seen on social media, from teammates, from friends that have stepped up in support of DeMar. DeMar is one heck of a human being. Um, from McKees Falls, Pennsylvania, which is 
pretty close to Pittsburgh. He played for the University of Pitt. Um, so it's just an unfortunate situation. Um, and I just want to send our condolences um, as well as our support and love to DeMar's family, friends, and the whole Bills organization. It is really heartwarming in a way to see how much support and love that he's seen or he's received in the last couple of days. His charities raised over $4 million in the last probably 36 hours, which is insanity. Um, started at $10,000, already over $4 million. But um, so that's where we stand. The NFL has decided to go on with the Week 18 matchups. So the Bengals are going to move on and play the um, Baltimore Ravens at home on Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Bills are going to move on, and I think they're going to play. Who are they playing? To be honest, I don't know who the Bills are playing. Um, they're playing the Patriots. Playing the Patriots. Okay. Yep. So everybody's going to move on. What happens to this game since it was postponed um, with a couple minutes left in the first quarter, that is a decision that the NFL is going to have to make. Um, a couple scenarios that could play out. Week 18 matchups happen as is, and then the weekend after, they push the playoffs back one week to decide the remainder of the Bills-Bengals game. Um, there is a two-week gap between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, so they could cut one of those weeks out and just have one-week turnaround from conference championship to Super Bowl um, if if need be, or they could they could do the seeding for the the playoffs based on winning percentage, which is something that they almost incorporated with COVID, knowing that there's going to be some cancellations. So a couple options of things they might do. If you're a Bengals-Bills player, at least being on the field, experiencing that firsthand, I don't necessarily know that you're going to want to make up that game because that situation goes far beyond football. It's a human um, that is going through something that is – incredibly rare to go on the on incredibly rare situation to happen on the football field and this is unprecedented this kind of situation has never happened um and before i move on i do want to um commend the medical staff that was there on the field the buffalo bills medical personnel the Bengals medical personnel as well as the first responders and nfl um, emergency situation people that were there they got to that situation very quickly, very promptly. They did everything that they could, followed everything to a T, and I think that is one of the reasons why DeMar is still at least with us at the moment. So um, I, I think on every level, this is just something that freak, it was a freak thing that happened, but everybody involved in it handled it with a lot of class, a lot of charisma, a lot of composure. Um, an incredibly emotional moment for the Bills organization and everybody that's close to DeMar. Um, but I think everything, logistically speaking, went as, as probably as well as it possibly could have. And DeMar is in great hands with the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, one of the best hospitals in the country. So hopefully in the next couple, in the next coming days, um, and by the time this, this podcast is released, we'll hope to hear more positive news on his situation. Um, but yeah, kind of a little bit of a buzzkill, as especially being in the Cincinnati area for what was going on over the weekend. Xavier gets a huge win over number two UConn. They win by ten at home, probably their best win in the last few years. Definitely, they didn't have a win with Travis Steele while he was here that was anything close to that. Um, they beat number one Villanova, which is probably the last top ranked team that they've played. Um, at least if you're going off of national ranking. And Bills Bengals was living up to the hype at least 13 minutes into the game. The Bengals get the ball, go down, score a touchdown. Bengals stop the Bills and hold them to a field goal. It was a little bit of a, um offensive shootout, and you know the game was going to be pretty high scoring from the jump. Um, and just as a Bengals fan um, – I had a lot of friends that were at the game. I had a lot of people that I know. Um, and this is one of those, this is probably the most hyped up 
Monday night football game, maybe Bengals regular season game of all time. And I don't think I'm crazy in saying that. The stadium, the atmosphere of the city, the entire week was incredible. Um, My sister had a basketball game that night that ended right at the start of Monday night football. So we were driving back from the game, which happened to be just across the river. We drove past the stadium. And to see that thing filled up, to see all of the joy, all of the enthusiasm that was coming out of that building, like I almost teared up a little bit because it was so cool to see something that has been absent from the city for a long time. It was a chance to celebrate everything that was going right in Cincinnati, everything with their sports teams. And then unfortunately, the little dichotomy of that mixed with feelings of anger, angst, worry um, from the situation with DeMar. But that's all I'll really say about the situation. I think all of us are going to have to move on at some point as chilling and as jarring as it is. And we pray for DeMar's situation and everything that comes from it. Um, But yeah, that's all I really have to say about that. Just, just tough. But Matt, do you want to lead us off with some college football stuff? Um, I absolutely can. We okay. Can. Do you have anything to add, or? Um, I think you hit a lot of the points. I I know you touched on the 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 charity. I think that was really cool. Mm-hmm. He got the the four million dollars, or that's still climbing right now. Yeah. Um, all of this I is benefiting. Awesome. All of this is benefiting his mom's daycare in McKees yep. Falls, Pennsylvania, um, for a toy drive. And I'm sure if you Google it on Twitter or um, if you Google it on Google, if you look it up on Twitter or any social media pages, you'll find a link to it. Um, and I think over 150,000 donations have come in to amass to over $4 million, which is incredible. Um, but again, thoughts and prayers with him. Well, no easy transition, let's, but let's um, move on to so college football. Um, we we saw obviously two really entertaining games, and mm-hmm. I I think I think really I, I don't I don't even know if it's really that close. This is this is the most entertaining college football playoff semifinal that we've seen in its 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 tenure here in college football. Yeah. Um, I, I know we there there have been some obviously some games that have been very entertaining. Like if you take back like Oklahoma versus Georgia was really competitive back with Sony Michelle. And um, but but like as a as a combined playoff, even though this group of teams you might argue may not be the best group of teams, it's been super competitive so far. And you see also teams on the outside looking in, teams like Bama, teams like Tennessee, they also played very well in their bowl games. And you had the, the Tulane USC game was phenomenal. Uh, Tulane, they played their hearts out. I wanted to mention real quick the the Mississippi State game as well. I thought it was really cool. They had the the the, the pirates on their helmet, and then they waved yeah. the flag of Mike Leach after that the was game. Awesome. that was really that was awesome. Um, but I mean, it. I think it's it's starting to show at this point the depth of college football. Even though some of the New Year's Six games weren't that close, we mentioned two of them, um, Penn State and Utah. Penn State really dominated from the jump. Mm-hmm. But Utah did draw a huge crowd to that game. And that's two years in a row where they've been in the Rose Bowl. So big aspirations for them moving forward. But we're starting to see in college football that with this expanding playoff, there are a lot of teams that, that can compete, not, not only in New Year's Six Bowl games, but against the top. Right, you saw Ohio State take Georgia down to the wire, and really, if they hadn't lost Marvin Harrison, or if they had Travion Henderson or, or Jackson Smith and Jigba in that game, you could have seen Ohio State beat Georgia. Like, and, and that the the pass game was like CJ Stroud played his heart out. The run game was doing well enough to 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 survive the the thrashing defense of, of Georgia, but it was really that that air attack with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And when he got injured on, even though it wasn't a targeting, right? He didn't leave with Carla helmet. He hit him with the shoulder pad to his, I think it was his chest or shoulder. But um, even, even with that being said, uh, Georgia at the end of that game looked like the better team. 
but it honestly it was a great game it was an amazing game ohio state yeah. played their hearts out so did michigan michigan fought hard they were down 41 to 22 but I feel like if you're watching that game the entire time, you could sense that Michigan is not going to go away. J.J. McCarthy was phenomenal in that game. He ran the ball extremely well. Even though he had some throws that weren't great, he made up for it with some big plays. And I'm excited to see what this Michigan team can do moving forward. They were so close, so close yeah. to to pulling off that huge comeback like Georgia did. And they they just couldn't get it. They were right there, and they – and and TCU just kept answering. I mean, they, it it was like a it was a heavyweight matchup. They they just kept answering, and it felt like old school Big Twelve football, where it's just all offense. And TCU, they they pulled it out. They gritted it out. Yep. And a lot of credit to Max Duggan in that game. Man, he there was pressure in his face all game, all game from the get go. It was pressure, pressure, pressure from Michigan. They would send these these very very nicely coordinated it was it was great the blitzes they sent six or seven guys it would always get home and they were even sending guys like dj turner one of their quarterbacks um and it just seemed to always get home but duggan stood in like the face of pressure didn't even move out of the pocket just stood there took a hit made a throw and a lot of the throws were nice and when he had to move out of the pocket he did well he got mm -hmm. outside of the pocket he, he extended the play and he, he did everything he needed to do he needed to do for tcu to win that game what a game from him, even though he threw a couple of interceptions, the balls that, that there was one that was just overthrown. The other one was out of the receiver's hands. Mm -hmm. Again, same thing like McCarthy. There were some throws that weren't the best, but he did do well enough for his own team to win. And so did McCarthy. McCarthy played to the level that his team needed him to win. The two pick sixes weren't great, but again, he bounced back and Michigan almost bounced back in that game. But it is what it is. You move on. Um, McCarthy's going to have this team ready for, for next season as well. Whether or not they have Jim Harbaugh, because you, you see all the news flying. You saw it last yeah. year. You saw it the year prior. And now you're seeing it this year where there's interest from NFL teams with Jim Harbaugh. And Harbaugh, you've seen it the past two seasons. You may see it this season where he wants to go to the NFL. And we'll see. We'll see. And, and if Michigan loses Jim Harbaugh, What's what are the consequences? Will there be any any let off, um, any downfall? And to that, I, I don't think so. I think Michigan has a good enough program to bring in a good coach or even mm -hmm. one of their coordinators. So we'll see. I I'm very excited about the Big Ten moving forward. I'm really excited about college football in general moving forward. Yeah. But um, it, it was a good bowl season. We still have the championship to play between TCU and Georgia, which should be a good game. I. I do believe that I, I want the Cinderella story to continue. I want TCU to win. I think as does the entire nation, except for Georgia fans. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think Georgia is the better team and I think Georgia will win it. Yeah. But TCU will give them one hell of a fight. If any, for sure. And I think you see, you saw everything good about college football right now. And there's a lot of flack that college football is getting with all the NIL stuff, conference realignment, um, but you're having teams from other conferences like the Big Ten, like the Big 12, um, that are coming in and competing with SEC schools. And I think for the last few years, it, it seemed as though the SEC was just going to completely dominate college football. And there was no way anybody was going to come and take their crown. And in the next few years, you have USC, you have UCLA joining the Big Ten. You have even programs like Cincinnati and BYU joining the Big 12. Uh, making their conference um, a little bit deeper. And watching those games, probably some of the most entertaining college football games I've watched. And in some ways, it was kind of refreshing not having a team like an Alabama, a Clemson in the mix. Obviously, you have your heavyweights like Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, um, who are nothing short of heavyweights. But having these games play out, it felt a little bit more... Um, like you didn't, it felt a little bit more uncertain in a good way. Like you didn't know how things were going to shake out. You didn't know um, who was going to make the run at the end, who was going to put some plays together, who's going to put a couple drives together to get back in the game. Um, I think so, <laughs> at least in the Michigan game, some of the officiating was at the forefront, what was going on, which yeah. you can talk all you want about it. It's just the way things happen, unfortunately. Um, but 
like you said, at least for the semifinals, there haven't been two matchups consecutively that have lived up to what happened last last Saturday on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Two things before we move on that I quickly want to mention. Okay. Um, number one is Tulane. Tulane, even though we mentioned them earlier, the great comeback when they had mm-hmm. against against USC. I mean, for really, it it seemed like, and and this was this was around college football fans. Um, this was around the news where it was. I don't know if there is truly a group of five team that can compete this year with with a power five champion or a power five, but good team from the power five. Um, just a, a quality team and. USC is one of those quality teams. I mean, they have the Heisman champion, um, Heisman trophy winner. Jeez. Um, so just, just credit to where credit's due. I, they, they played their hearts out. They, they, for a two loss team that everyone thought should not be a new year six team, but is in because there's no other group of five team. They played really well and yeah. give them credit. That, that was great. The other guy, I want to mention Roman Wilson real quick from Michigan. Again, when you think of Michigan, you, the, I don't think star receiver pops up in your head very no. often. I mean, you have Desmond Howard. Um, but, again, it, that's not at the forefront of what Michigan is, and especially right now. Uh, they, they got guys like Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, and, and not bad players by any means, but not stars, not stars like Ohio State has. And Roman Wilson went down early in that game with an injury. And before I talk about that, I'll say TCU's corners are very similar to what Cincinnati had last year, mm-hmm. what UC had, where you have a guy who won the Thorpe Award and Hodges Tomlinson. But at the same time, you like like Sauce last year, you got two guys that, that are two of the best in college football. And you saw Sauce and Kobe Bryant, you know, they – they were amazing last year, and even Alabama had their issues with them. Yeah, and they didn't target any, or they didn't target sauce at all last you year. You see it in the NFL too. Like yeah, no one's targeting sauce. Nobody. And th- I mean, it, it's just like the beginning of that game. It seemed like TCU is just going to shut down these receivers. Roman Wilson gets hurt, just adds fuel to the fire. But he comes back. I think he had a hurt ankle, and he scored three touchdowns. He played extremely well, and I mean he fought so hard in that game. He really did. And credit to him, man, when you're facing two corners like that, you're facing really the best defense in, in the big 12, I think with those guys and, and that front seven led by D winters, um, Michigan came to play and they were so close. They almost scrapped mm-hmm. it out. They almost, they almost did what big 10 teams do. And yep. they just couldn't. So for sure. Um, I do want to give a shout out, um, to three Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area quarterbacks that led their team to bowl wins. I saw this on Twitter earlier. Uh, Sean Clifford went to St. X here in Cincinnati. He got a huge win for Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Really cool send-off for him. He's tied for the most winningest quarterback in program history for the Nittany Lions. Uh, Tanner Morgan, quarterback for the Minnesota Gophers, is a product of Ryle High School here, which is like five, ten minutes away from my house. Um, he's been there forever, but cool to see him get a bowl win. Clifford's been there forever as well. Yes. And, um, Chase Wolf, who is son of Xavier, former Xavier basketball player, Steve Wolf. Um, he was the quarterback for university of Wisconsin who got a big bowl win as well. Um, and he's been there for the last few years. Haven't had, hasn't had many opportunities to play finally stepped in got his opportunity and took advantage of it led his team to a bowl win which is really cool to see especially for the area who's very proud of their high school football um be honest i haven't been to a high school football game in the area just because high school i went to didn't have one at the time so um a little different but i did want to give a shout out to those quarterbacks it's cool for the area yeah, that's pretty cool. All all Big Ten quarterbacks too. Yep. And and also uh, Wisconsin got Luke Fickle, which is just awesome. They mm-hmm. introduced him last night at Wisconsin's basketball game against Minnesota. Yeah. Huge, um, huge get for University of Wisconsin. Yeah, and a huge rivalry too. I mean, you you see that border rivalry between Wisconsin and Minnesota. Like the record yeah. in basketball is like 106 to 104 favoring Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and then the rivalry in football is also 
pretty close and it's favoring Minnesota. So I, you know, I'll be honest, bitter rivals. I think um, Luke Fickle is at Wisconsin as long as Ryan Day is in charge of Ohio State. And whenever that job opens up, Luke Fickle will be the next coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. We'll that see. is that is my guess. We'll see. We'll see. But mm-hmm. I just want to say that now so when it happens, I can be right. Or you can be dead or wrong. Or I can be dead wrong. It's very true. Which, yeah, we I, usually you have never know for that. Um, <laughs> but... So what else do you want to talk about? Um, let's move on to college basketball. Okay. Um, I let's mention I, I I wanted to mention some teams really that that are really conferences that uh, have it really tough moving forward. And obviously the forefront, in my opinion, is the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten, the, like these schedules are just brutal. I looked at yeah. Wisconsin's schedule last night. Brutal. Um, hometown team, my favorite, Michigan State. Uh, they. They got. They, I mean, for the rest of the year, it's just it's awful. It's just completely awful. Yeah. I mean, not our, great. Our, our four game stretch coming up is Michigan at home, Wisconsin on the road, Illinois on the road, and then Purdue at home. Um, that's just gonna that's gonna be brutal. <laughs> that's gonna be really tough. Um, but these are statement games. Michigan State has got to go out here and perform well in these in these games. Um, one team that I'm really interested in and I really want to mention is Villanova. The Wildcats, yeah. they're they're still getting guys back from injury. There's like they're still progressing, but but this is a team that should be performing a little better than what it is right now. It's seven and seven. There's really no excuse for that at all. Um, their schedule coming up, they they have a game in Georgetown. Do not sleep on those guys. Do not sleep. Do not sleep on Georgetown. Of course not. Matt, you can you can take a nap on Georgetown. You might Pretty take a, beers. a deep deep. Deep sleep on Georgetown. Do not sleep on the Hoyas. Do not sleep have they, on Have they won a conference game yet? I, I don't know. Because don't know. they were 0-20 last year. So they might be, depending on how many losses they have so far this year, they're either on their 24th straight or 25th straight conference loss. Right. They, they're they 0-4 in conference. Okay, so 24th straight. This is in Georgetown. It is on the road, right? This is this oh. Villanova team that is struggling. Okay. It's also a guy named Primo Spears. I don't know if you mentioned him last week. I did. I talked about okay, him. Good. Um, good, good, good. <laughs> but no, he's he's played really well. He he could be all Big East caliber kind of guy. So I would agree with uh, that. But Matt it, it seems like every game he plays, he he's putting in seventeen plus points. So again, you just never know. This kid is really good. That's true. They just got blown out by Butler, who's Butler's not great. And Matt, I do want to I do want to just let you know that Villanova will be playing in front of a crowd of maybe three thousand people, which is about seven thousand less than what they're used to. It's going to feel yeah. like an empty arena. Um, Xavier played there in their Big East opener, and it looked like a morgue for a college basketball game. It was not. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say the most raucous environment. I'm just saying. Don't sleep you, on it. You can't and, sleep. And- True, right. which is true. Their next game is against Xavier. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think it could be a trap game, right? You mm-hmm. do not want to say, oh, yeah, I can, we, can, we can walk right past Georgetown and we have to face a better team in Xavier. I'm again, not saying you walk past Georgetown. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of competition, every game in the Big East is a very difficult game. I will say that. But Georgetown, if you're going to face anybody in the Big East right now, you want to face Georgetown because that that is true. They, I don't disagree. They don't know how to win in the conference. Right. Um, I mean, it's a good again. it's a good morale building game for Villanova. Look at look at mm-hmm. it that way for the Wildcats. Get some of their mojo going back, and then do not sleep on any team, nope. any game, nope. especially in the Big East. Do not sleep. I mean Xavier on Primo Spears. Xavier gave up 90 points to Georgetown. Yeah, 90. Mm-hmm. And Primo Spears and their other guards just went to work, which they could very well do against Villanova. I just don't see them losing. Okay, I see what you're saying. But Villanova needs a win. Yes, right? th- desperately. Seven and seven. Yes, they're they're sitting here with Georgetown on the schedule, then Xavier, and then they're at DePaul, at Butler. So again, and then Georgetown again. So that stretch of four games, five games, five games. I just said five different games. Mm-hmm. Yes, five games. There's one game, obviously, in Xavier that is going to be really difficult for them, but that game's at home, which that's that's yeah. great for Villanova. 
Since... And they need to win four games in the stretch. They need to win four games in the stretch. Yeah. And... Right? They got to beat Georgetown twice. They got to beat DePaul. They got to beat Butler. Yeah. And the Villanova Wildcats lose at home to the Marquette Golden Eagles. And that is their third loss at Fenneran Pavilion since the Big East was restructured in 2013. So Villanova does not lose home games. So even if Xavier's playing really well right now, um, and Villanova's probably not as strong as they were hoping to be once the season started, um, still a really difficult game for Xavier. It's just Villanova's really hard to play on their home court. Um, I do think they'll pick it up. Justin Moore, I think, is coming back sometime soon, which that'll be a huge boost for yeah, them. They on, need it. They, on they offense, need it really defense, leadership, everything. They need it terribly. But tonight in our nation's capital, they need a win against Georgetown to get back on track. And like you said, winning at least four out of the next five is huge um, for mm-hmm. them. Well, I mean, one team with a very tough stretch of two games coming up is Creighton. Creighton's got to travel to UConn and then and then to and Xavier. To Xavier, yeah. Yep, very tough for them. This is a team that, at the beginning of the year, looked like one of the best teams in college basketball. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, a lot of people had them as a one seed, two seed, looking like an Elite Eight, Final Four caliber team. This was supposed um, to be the greatest Creighton Blue Jays team in all of Creighton Blue Jays team. Yep, but I think I think we saw it early. They they struggled with some injuries. Kalkbrenner went down. Yeah, um, but there's no depth on that team there's just no depth and um it, it, they have they have got to prove it again same thing like villanova they're they're sitting here at eight and six um it could easily be eight and eight by by the end of january 11th mm-hmm. and this team they've got to win one of these games it's it's critical that they go into someone's place and upset them this is yep. a team that can do it if they're starting fives on the floor, they have what? What they have? No, I'm sorry. Yes, starting five. They have six. They have six guys that are capable of playing on a nightly basis and performing well. And they need everything they can get for the rest of the year. This is a team that again lacks depth, and they're going to need every ounce of effort in these next two games. Um, but I mean, it doesn't get any easier from there. No. At the same time, Creighton, you know, they should be a good team. They should be up there with the best of the Big East and the best of the country. Um, I think expect better from them. I think they'll do better. Yeah. The difficult thing with Creighton, um, and I guess just any team, especially if you're playing in the Big Ten, you're playing in the Big 12, SEC, whatever, Power 5 conference, ACC, um, if you really struggle early on in the season, have a couple stretches where you lose a bunch of games in a row, just like Creighton did to start the season, um, you kind of you lose your confidence. You lose sight of what makes you a good basketball team, and you're trying to figure things out on the fly. And it is really difficult for these teams to figure things out in conference play because every single game means so much. And this is the first year that every single team in the Big East is playing 20 conference games, which is going to take an even larger toll on the team as well as the coaching staff trying to prepare for these games. But like you mentioned, a team that doesn't have a lot of depth is going to really struggle towards the back half of the year. Now, it could be the opposite effect to where you figure things out, you get some guys that have really impactful minutes who are doing some great things offensively or defensively, and then your your depth grows over time. But to try to figure that, that out in conference play where the, the level of competition is way higher than it is in the non-conference, at least on a consistent basis, just really difficult. Um, Xavier's going through this a little bit right now with their bench play. I think even though they've been playing really well, they just beat a number two UConn team on the weekend. Um, once they get past Jerome Hunter and Desmond Claude on their bench, they really don't have any con- sort of consistent answer. And we're only four, they're only four games through the conference season right now. So when game 17, 18 rolls around, I think they're hoping for another, a few more guys to step up and be able to plug them in. I know Creighton's going through that. They have some young players as well as some transfers that are in there. Um, but that's why you're seeing teams like Providence. You're seeing teams like Marquette who have some players where the level of talent doesn't fall off if new guys come into the game. And they're maybe not the most explosive offensive team like a Xavier or UConn, but they're able to get things done. Um, I think Providence is going to be a real problem like they always are. Because Ed Cooley does such a good 
good job with the Friars. They're not always the flashiest team in the world, but they're tough as nails. They rebound the ball really well. They share the ball, defend, um, and they're always a tough beat. So whoever's got to play them, whether it's a UConn, Xavier, or even the teams on the lower end of the, the conference, Providence is going to be a problem for sure. It's just it's absolutely just like the Big Ten. Big East has a challenge every night. Big Twelve is like that this year. Um, Texas Tech is good. Texas, Kansas, Baylor, list goes on. Kansas, you know, you know conference is not like that right now. The Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. The conference of champions. Not like that. They got they got five teams right there at the top, and then that's about that, it. It's a crapshoot for what the hell. Yeah. Right? Um, Arizona is really good. UCLA is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona State's pretty solid. They almost came back yep, on Arizona. Got, yeah, Utah, Arizona State. Yeah, a couple teams there. I think I think Oregon has really underperformed as well mm-hmm. this year. This is a, that's a team that's really experienced. They got Will Richardson. Um, they 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 bring in good recruits. It seems like every year. Yeah, they just haven't performed well this year. I think I think they'll come back, but at this point, you just never know. Mm-hmm. For sure, you don't you don't want to be stuck in the, in the situation entering and entering conference play. Oh my gosh, entering conference play. I can't speak. <laughs> you don't want to be stuck in this situation. And no, teams in college basketball like the Creightons of the world, the Villanovas of the world, and the Oregons of the world that are stuck in that situation. And even I, I would even go on to argue Michigan too, and they got a big game coming up against Penn State at home. Um, they better not sleep on Penn State. That's a really good team that mm-hmm. won in Champaign. Um, their only their only conference loss so far is to Michigan State at home, but it's always tough to beat a Tom Izzo team. Um, but you know what? Michigan comes to East Lansing on Saturday. I'm really I'm really excited for that one, man. Yeah. All the 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 trash talk that you hear from from Hunter Dickinson. Let's see if he can, um, you know, back his words. I, um, can I make a one-sided bet with you? Sure. One-sided bet meaning I don't have anything at stake. Oh wait, okay, fine, whatever, go on. Um, if Michigan, it's a little bit, it's a little bit far-fetched. That's why I think you'll go for it. If Michigan makes the Final Four this year, you have to buy a Hunter Dickinson jersey and wear it for a week straight. Not a week straight. I'll wear it for a, a week. podcast. Mm. Oh. No. Not, not a week. Okay, two days. I'm not wearing any straight. shirts for a week. Two fine, days two straight. Days. Fine, fine. Well, you've fine. worn. You have that that light blue hoodie that you wear right, for right. five out of the seven days of the week. So don't I even come it off at me. and put it on. I take it off okay. and put it on. Whatever. But you know I what I mean. You know what I mean. Come on. <laughs> Shake on it. Fine. Okay. Cool. That was a, a very good virtual shake. Um. Yeah, well, but he's gonna. Start I don't this think Michigan's in, making in the final four. I don't think. Yeah, Mich- I don't. I don't even. Like, I don't think they're gonna beat us. I'm. I. I. am confident with that. I don't. I don't want to throw out there like, oh yeah, Michigan State's just gonna run because that's what they. That's what Hunter Dickinson's like right now. Oh, yeah, we're gonna run the floor with all these teams. I don't want to be like that. You know, give Michigan a chance. They're gonna. They're a good team, right? Yeah. They're under a good coach. Um, sometimes they play well on the road, and well, they just. This is this is a tough road game. It's a tough environment, man. You better be ready because these Michigan State guys, I'm telling you right now, they got a, they got the rest of the week to get ready for you. Mm-hmm. And they've heard what you've had to say. All yep. right. They just abs- Michigan just absolutely destroyed Maryland. Mm-hmm. Maryland they had lost like, to Central Michigan before that. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Maryland's fire up chips. Maryland's been on the wrong side of a couple really really embarrassing losses. Uh, the first at home against UCLA, I don't think they scored 20 points by halftime. And same thing when they played Michigan and Ann Arbor. It was it was ugly from the jump. Um, Michigan, like record, or not Michigan, Maryland record-wise is pretty, like it's not bad. Um, no. But you wonder, like deeper into the Big Ten season, if they're going to hit a lull where they're going to lose five or six in a row. And also they remind me a lot of what Michigan State was last year, except Michigan State, I think, was a better team than they were yeah. last year than this year than this year's Maryland. Um, like, and I would say the same goes for even Wisconsin too, where these guys don't like, well, Maryland is Dante Scott, but, or Dante Scott, but, but 
these guys just don't really have a star. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't have a star and you need to have that star and they just don't. And I, I feel like they're in that tier. If Iowa gets better, Iowa that is really underperformed. I, at the beginning of the year, I thought it'd be kind of that Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa tier in the middle. And I feel like that, that is a good spot for those teams mm-hmm. considering the schedule all these teams have in the big 10. Um, I, they have Wisconsin being a four seed right now. I don't know if you saw bracketology, but they have them playing in Columbus, maybe running into Xavier in the round of 32, which would be awesome. It'd be a lot of fun, but that would be a lot of fun. I, I, I could see Xavier being a five or four seed. I, I don't, I don't think I could see Wisconsin being there. I, they've, they've won some games. They've really shown it in others, but they haven't to me been convincing enough. I think it's the same story as that Michigan State team last year. Yeah, they can make the round of 32. Yeah, they can hang with anyone. But I don't think they have enough to to continue in a conference play successfully. They'll do well in the conference tournament. They may be in the Final Four for, for the, the Big Ten tournament. But as a whole, with this grueling schedule ahead, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, I do want to ask this. Um, I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself when I say this, but if Xavier keeps up their pace, now they're not going to go undefeated in the conference season because that's absolutely ridiculous. But mm-hmm. let's say they finish with 14 to 16 wins. I think that's probably the highest they'll go, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, let's say they're the, they finish second in the Big East because I think UConn's going to run through pretty much everybody else. I don't really see... A lot of, I think Marquette, Providence are going to pose some problems to UConn, but I think outside of Marquette, Providence, Nova, and Xavier, they're pretty much going to have their way with everybody else in the Big East. Um, so let's say UConn finishes at the top because of the way they've been playing, um, and deservedly so. They're a very good team. Um, and let's say Xavier finishes second, but they have – 14 to 16 conference wins. Do you think they have any any chance of getting higher than a four or five seed in the tournament? Could you see them as How a... How many f- losses would that be? I'm trying to put that in perspective. That would, so let's say they win 15 conference games. Mm-hmm. They have five conference losses. Okay, got it. So and that then, would add on to the three losses they have now. Yeah. Which would be eight losses. So they would be, what are they, 12 and three? An eight-loss team... That plays in the, in a very tough Big East. I would say if you won the Big East championship, like if you went, what what is in the Madison Square Garden, and you yeah. played in the, the Big East tournament and won it, then I could I could maybe see you guys being upwards of a three seed. I I would say I I think that's a good spot. I think three seed would be a good spot, just considering the amount of losses. So but they're so they're even two seed really. Like if again if if they are in control mm-hmm. in the regular season. Right, they could. I mean, if they win sixteen games and lose four, and win the Big East tournament, oh yeah, they could be a two seed. Okay, well, it just depends on how the rest of the nation does. But again, so if they won, if they, I, I think a good spot is a four or five seed for Xavier. They won fifteen conference games, which is a lot. Um, they would finish before the Big East tournament with a record of twenty-seven and eight, which is pretty solid. And then, oh, yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah. And if they were to somehow win one or two games in the Big East tournament, even if, if they don't win the whole thing, make it to the finals, mm-hmm. I think there's a case for them to have a, a decently high seat. I think the biggest thing is they just need to be consistent. Um, yeah. Avoiding those two stretches where they lose multiple games. Um, I talked, or I guess Michael and I recorded this before this happened last week, but I don't know if you watched any of the all access game on five. Well, you're on a boat. Never mind. Uh, I, the all, I think I, for which one? St. John Xavier, where they mic'd up both coaches for the entirety of the game. Okay. I didn't see, I don't think I saw it. Okay. But I, yeah, no, it was, if you're a Xavier fan, it made you feel pretty good about who's on the sidelines and what's going through their program. Um, so hopefully if they're approaching every Big East team like they did at St. John's and the UConn, taking it a game at a time, I think they could surprise some people with how well they finish in the Big East. 
and I think they're only getting better, which is a good sign. So yeah. I got confused because I watched the highlights of that game, but I did see the UConn game. Yeah, really good. It was it was, it was a great game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's that to me, right? That's a tough UConn team. That's a team, even though it's the beginning of conference play and it's at home, you could write that down as a statement win. Oh, I, for sure. I, I do believe you could write that down as a statement win. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. so do you want to do your, how deep is your love and then wrap it up? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into NFL stuff. Um, week 18, big week. Mm-hmm. Just as, I mean, you have in the AFC, you still have three teams alive. And if you don't, if, I mean, if you count the Titans and, and Jags game that has zero correlation with the rest of the AFC, um, then sure. But, you, but at, let's see, we got three games. Bills Patriots is huge. Patriots still have a shot to get in. Um, mm-hmm. Bills don't want to get Josh Allen hurt, but we'll see what they do at home. Um, Steelers Browns is a big one. Steelers could get in somehow. They had like a two percent chance a couple weeks ago, and now it's like the same situation as last year where Mike they, Tomlin they could making be there. things happen. Yeah, and now here they are. They're right there again. Um, and then after that, it's Jets and Dolphins. Um, Dolphins need if the Dolphins win. They no. If the Patriots win, they're in. Dolphins would need a win and a Patriots loss. And now the Steelers, they would need both the other teams that I just mentioned to lose, and for them to win, they'd have to beat the Browns at home. And you know, the Browns have a tough defense. Um, Deshaun Watson, he's been playing better and better. We'll see what happens there. Um, are the Jags can move in? down? What? No, the Jags are. So the Jags are on Saturday night. They play the Titans, and that is an AFC South championship game. Oh, yeah. But, again, no correlation with the rest of the AFC. It's just the AFC South. So if, if, they, if they win that game, they're in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So that's the AFC story. The NFC, another wild story. Um, these games are at 425 and later. We start with the Seahawks and the Rams. So – I, I'll, I'll mention everything else when I'm doing my How Deep Is Your Love, but the Seahawks, um, if they win, they would need the Lions to win in Green Bay to get in. Now, if the Rams win, then that still leaves the door open for Detroit, and Detroit would need to win in Green Bay to get into the playoffs. Dan Campbell, here we go. Now we're going to get into How Deep Is Your Love. Dan Campbell has mentioned that in any scenario, whatever happens at 425, the Lions are going to play their butts off, all right? They're either going to eliminate the Packers, which actually, in both scenarios, they're going to eliminate the Packers, or they're going to eliminate the Packers to get into the playoffs. Um, so, the NFL has screwed us twice this year, right? The Panthers have screwed us once. Did you see the the whole story about the stadium and and? Okay, so I'll mention that real quick. The Panthers, um, I mean, the week prior, I mean, there, there were no issues with this at all um, in, in prior weeks. There wasn't any, like, crazy weather. I know we had that all that stuff around the country, but there wasn't anything crazy in Charlotte enough to ruin their field. And the it, – it's funny because it's like a little bit of a coincidence. And uh, – the, the Panthers are, are playing at home against the Lions. Both teams um, need this win. The Panthers are playing an elimination game, basically. Um, I, actually, they are. And the Lions are playing in a game where if they win, they're a lot more comfortable moving forward. And Aiden Hutchinson steps on the field, and his first practice rep with Panay Sewell, he gets pushed to the ground. Couldn't even plant his feet, make a cut or anything to get around them. He said it felt like pavement. Falling onto the turf, it felt like pavement. Trying to plant your foot in the in the in the pavement with cleats on won't work, and that's mm. how he said it was. And the first two rushes the Carolina Panthers had were 37 yards and 38 yards. The Lions came to this game and were being bullied because they had no idea what they were walking into. The conditions on that field were absolutely atrocious. The NFLPA did something about it. The NFL has done nothing about it. Um, it it's that that was that is so frustrating to hear as a Lions fan, and like like coaches were complaining about it, staff was complaining about it, players are complaining about it. Yeah, and of course you hear nothing from Panthers. Panthers they won't say anything about that. They, whatever, move on. We won. Well, right? didn't they have to play in the same conditions though? 
They did, right? But at the same time, this is an elimination game for the Panthers, right? This is their home stadium. They have a crowd. They've been here all week, right? But they're not practicing. Are they practicing on that field? field. I know they're not practicing on that field. I'm not saying the Panthers were in on this, right? I'm saying that this was a horrible situation for the Lions. Terrible, terrible, terrible situation for the Lions. And again, I have no idea what transpired to make the field like this. It wasn't like this at all in the season. There weren't weather conditions to make it like that. It wasn't like Chicago with a Kentucky bluegrass situation up there in week one with the monsoon. Um, I mean, it's it's a really weird situation. It's odd. So that happens. Um, and then two prior events earlier in the year where the Lions have been screwed over by the NFL. Or actually, no, sorry, one, and here's the third. Yeah, the, the first one was the Bills situation um, where the Bills moved um, on, on their Week 12 game or Week 11 game to Detroit because of the bad weather over in, in Buffalo. Yeah. And then they play in Detroit four days later. All right? They, they, like, the fans don't have to leave. Even though it was a sold-out crowd and there were a lot of Lions fans there, you see the pictures, and there were also a good amount of Buffalo fans. And, I mean, they made it home. Right, they basically made it home. They said, Lions, we don't, whatever you guys. Well, it's not like okay. we're anyway. To be so, to be fair, they to, to be fair, they would have had to play in six feet of snow, right? Which they, is impossible, not, which is impossible, right. right? Did it have to be in Detroit though? The, what other stadium would they go to? There's plenty of other stadiums to go to. There's plenty. Fox, well, you could go to Foxborough, why not there? Because it's outside. So, so what? So is they Buffalo's? probably had a lot of inches of snow as well. I think they were going somewhere indoors, so they didn't have to deal with any sort of weather interruptions. Okay. No, that's that's being. I know. I know serious. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Right. And but Detroit is probably about, the closest. What about Indianapolis. Why would they go further? What? Why would they fly further than Detroit? Detroit's probably the closest right, indoor right. stadium. I mean, fair, to fair them, enough. Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. But. I think it is a little convenient. I think you're just making Buffalo up Bills. debauchery. Okay. A little convenient for the Buffalo Bills. Just a little. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay. move okay. on. Now, this whole thing, 8.30 p.m. This screws over two teams, the Seahawks and the Lions. The Seahawks are playing at 425. If they win, they have to hope the Lions win in Green Bay. And the Lions just saw the Seahawks win. So the Lions are out of the playoffs now. Right. If all that happens, the Lions are out of the playoffs. They're playing for basically nothing except to eliminate the Packers in Lambeau. So the Seahawks are sitting here like shit. Right. If yeah. the Lions lose, it's like for them, it's like, whatever, we got a better pick. And the Seahawks is like, well, we just missed the playoffs after beating the L.A. Rams. On the flip side of the coin. As I just mentioned, the Lions, as this is literally what I just mentioned, but the Lions saw the Seahawks lose, and Dan Campbell says either way they're going to play hard, which you better believe, right? They're going to play hard either way. But if the Seahawks win, you're not making the playoffs. So let's let's really hope that the Rams win so that the Lions and, and the Packers can play a historic game. And to me, again, this is a money grab for the NFL, right? This will be the most watched 830 game of the year, right? This could be watched more than some playoff games because this yeah. is basically a playoff game. This is an elimination game. Um so to me, if the Lions and the and the and the Packers are both playing for something, everyone in the nation's gonna watch this game. Right? They're I mean, even if the Lions aren't playing for the playoffs, it's still a huge profit grab for the NFL. This just a huge grab. Anyway, let's move on. Whatever. Your Lions Whatever. have a chance let's, to make the playoffs. I think that's the, the Lions have a chance to make the playoffs, and I'm not even talking about that yet. But here we go. Let's talk about it. It's insane. They started one and six. Here they are, right? As a Lions fan, it's, it's still tough to fathom. It's like you saw me earlier. I got to find a way to 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 list three different options of 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 A, B, and C that the NFL has screwed the Lions. Because it seems like all the time the Lions are getting screwed by something. So I have to find a way to be like, oh, they're screwing us. But we still have a chance for the playoffs, right? It feels weird. Um, I'm not defending my actions there. The things I said were probably wrong. But, um, you know, I still have to figure out a way to make my Lions fandom even stronger. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's insane. 
it's nuts. I it's so hard to describe, but it, you're going to the Lambo. Do you want to guess how many games the Lions have won in the past 32 seasons in Lambo? Two. Oh, they're two and 30. They're <laughs> two and 30. Their last game that they won, Matt Prater threw a touchdown. That's how much it didn't matter. Right? Both teams were terrible. Wow. Now, both teams are playing very well. Mm-hmm. Both teams have had a very good, strong comeback. Both teams, one is seven in their last nine, seven wins their last nine game, games, it's the Lions, and the Packers have won four straight. So, two very hot teams, two teams that beat the Vikings recently, two yeah. teams that last week dominated their opponents. Again, I this just, is going to be a fun matchup. I'm really excited. I really am. Win or I'm lose excited. for the Seahawks. All right. I want to see the Lions in the playoffs, obviously, selfishly. But if we can walk in there and eliminate the Packers, and I'm happy. I genuinely mean this. I'm really excited for you, too. And yeah. um, I did watch the Packers last week. Watch them absolutely dismantle the Minnesota Vikings. So I hope none of that sort of thing is in your future, which yep. I think the Lions are playing better as of recent than the Vikings were. Um, they've been struggling. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, all the support to your Detroit Lions. That'd be pretty yeah, cool. I'm, if, if I need to make a motivational speech for those Lions, I would I would throw something out there. Like, I mean, the, the reign of Aaron Rodgers has got to end at some point, right? Yep. And to me, this is the team that can do it, right? To me, this is the best team in the NFC North. I don't know if that's any bias at all, but from what I've seen this year, from maybe, the rest of maybe, the a, North, maybe, maybe a little, maybe a little, maybe a little. Okay. But, um, so if they win, what seed would they be like seven or eight? They'd be seven. Okay. And, um, there's only seven teams in the playoffs, but anyway, and then, it doesn't even matter. And the, the Cow- Lions, what I, what I would, what I want to mention is that this team has been sitting up there on their throne their high castle, ignoring the rest of the NFC North, right? For years, for years. And something has festered. Something is growing underneath them. And that's that's us. That's, that's Detroit. I don't know if I have any Lions gear around here somewhere. I think I do. I have a hat. Whatever. I'm not going to get it. But um, that's us. We are that team. We are the ones that have been festering. We've been in the, in the underworld, the outskirts, right? These are the rebels trying they've to destroy us. the. Yeah, they're trying to destroy they've, they've the Death Star. Top, right. Yeah. They don't care about us. They don't care. Yeah. Oh, it's the same. It's the same old lions, right? Right. It's not. Brand new lions. It's not. Brand new lions. Yeah, brand new lions. I so, agree. Even even if not, even if we don't make the playoffs this year, I am very happy with mm-hmm. how this team. I'm not. I'm not satisfied. Not satisfied at all because no. I want to see them make the playoffs and make a run, but I'm very happy with where this team is, what this team has done this year. Um, yeah, and I hope it... that I'm not reminiscing on the Lions season in about what, how many days? Next week. I yes. hope that next week we can continue on and fight for our playoff lives, which is something that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm um, excited. I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. If it doesn't happen this year, it's going to happen in the next few years. And you remind me a lot of the Seattle Mariners run in the 2021 Major League Baseball season. They got very close at the end, unfortunately unable to clinch the playoff spot. But the next year they did want to playoff. I'm, I'm telling you, if if it's not this year, it's next year. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it's not 100%. It's, there's, there's already so much hype right now around NFC North fans and NFL fans that the Lions could win the NFC North next year. Right, I'm not saying they will, right? But I do believe they will be a better all-around team next season. Yeah. Right. Given they have what six day, what is it? Day one and day two picks. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like they have all this draft capital. Let's yeah. See what happens. Just like Bengals didn't win the Super Bowl last year, but pretty much guaranteed to win this year. Yeah. I, that'd be say. really cool for the Lions and the and the and the and the Bengals to meet in the Super Bowl. That that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. That'd be that'd so be cool. So cool. Um. Well, do you want to do rank them to wrap this thing up? Sure. 
we'll we'll just do one today. I was thinking, let's throw something out there for college basketball. Pick three teams and rank them, or pick three coaches and rank them. But not going to do that. Let's okay. let's go to the fast food side of things. And oh, no. I brought up a little rankum in in my head. So this rankum is based around some one thing in, that's very popular in Cincinnati amongst the Cincinnati folk. Um, and then some other things that are popular around the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then one that's just nationwide. It's so known it- as the better version of Chipotle. Um, oh, so shocker. we have... Three things to rank today. Skyline, Qdoba, and what else? Culver's. I, I had a feeling it Skyline, was going to be Culver's. Okay. Qdoba, Culver's. Um, I'll just stick in that order. Skyline, Qdoba, Culver's. What's yours going to be? Culver's, Qdoba, Skyline. Because you didn't grow up. No, yet. no, 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 no. It's going to be. It's going to be Qdoba, Culver's, Skyline. I, to me, it's one okay. and one B okay. between those two. But if I had to pick, if I, I had to pick one to eat on a consistent basis, it would be Qdoba because you know there's more options and it's healthier. But makes sense. But Culver's is amazing, amazing, right? I think it's the best fast food burger place, and it's not even known for its burgers. Really, it's known for you know, butter burgers mean? and concrete mixers and all. It's what known do you for mean? many things, Gabe? What do you mean it's, it's known not known for many things? What do you mean it's not known for its burgers? Because it's not only the burger. It's not only the burger. Okay. They got so much there. Skyline is disgusting. Whatever. I mean, it's a hot Whatever. dog with well, okay. spaghetti and I chili. I can't even get mad at what? that. I can't even get mad at that. You know why? Why? Because you did not grow up here. Skyline right. is a very regional thing. If you even grow up eating up here, it. I'd still think it's gross. Okay. And I respect that. It's not for everybody. I think it's it shouldn't be for anyone. I, no, I think it's, it's good. Just, no, it's not. Well, that's your opinion. I respect it. Which you're from Detroit. So I've yeah, heard we have Coney Island, and we have okay. um, so we, there's some there's two really big hot dog joints in Detroit. I've heard you from got Lafayette. You got American. Okay. And I was just gonna say I've heard from place. sources that um, Detroit style pizza is about the fifth best pizza in the country. Um, Which I politely, I don't think it is the best. I, 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 I would say it's top four. Uh, you know what? I mean, I, I'd say it's top four. I think, I, I think at its peak, if you pick the best Detroit style pizza, it's a top four pizza. Okay, that's where I'll put it at. Is Little Caesars the best pizza in all the land? No, no, no. That's that's you sure? just that's shameful, really, that you would say something like that. Shameful. I, I would say if you're talking about fast food pizza, right? You know, if you get a five dollar extra most bestest with a whatever drink you're gonna get, and you get the crazy bread, and people say, "Oh, it's all about the crazy bread," but you get that for like seven bucks. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, it's. I'm not gonna eat that every day. All right. I, I tend to stick to healthier options, but, but again, if I had to, and my bank account needed something to feed me, that would be it. Okay. Seven bucks for that. Mm. Good deal. Okay. Good deal. Especially well, in these times of inflation. Not exactly sure what we got out of this. Um, other than just bickering about food, but, um, this is how we're going to end every episode from now on. We're going to bicker. <laughs> we're, about just, we're just going to fight. Okay. Well, <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to cover? Are we good? We're running um, out of time on the Zoom. Yeah, I know. I think I think we're we're fairly solid. Okay, I would yeah. agree. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to episode sixteen of the Quick Question Podcast. We will be back in our normal setup for the next semester, so next few months. Um, but thank you guys for hanging out with us through the remote episodes. Hope you've enjoyed them. Um, and we also, I will link these in the episode description this week. We have started finally started social media pages with the, um, with the show where we're going to throw at least 30 second minute clips from every episode. If there's any suggestions, any comments, any interaction that you guys want to have with us, it would be 
on there as well as um, an email address to get in contact with us. I would love to us. answer emails. Yes. I would love to answer So emails. if you guys have any questions, comments, whatever, shoot us an email. Interact That'll with us on job. social media. Yeah, this is all Matt. I will answer all your emails, guys. Okay. My goodness. Well, we finally got it going on. It might be a little bit of a slow process getting clips and stuff out since we're still trying to figure out how to do those and put those together. But once we have something nailed down, we'll be as frequent as we can. But um, thank you guys for hanging with us on that part. I know we've been promising it for a few months and nothing's happened. So yep. um, new year, new us. 2023 yep. is our year. Um, anyways. I hope so. Anyways, hope hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will see you sometime next week. Woo. Go Lions. Thank you, guys. Go Bengals. And, and Michigan State. Boo. Wait, what?